Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Hey guys, welcome in today. I have Brian McAleer coming in from Australia. So excited. It is um, about 2 p.m. here for me and about 7 a.m. for him, so... We were just having fun talking about time zone differences and what we're actually doing in our lives. He is coming on today from Brian MacLear Coaching Services. He is a life and career coach. His focus is on young adults from the ages of 18 to 30. And um, one of my favorite things that I think about it is not only is your focus on young adults about you know teaching valuable life skills, career direction, not only building confidence during those ages, but the programs are flexible and they're tailor-made for you. So not only do they do one-on-one coaching, they can do facilitated coaching, group coaching, and he's also got an online course that he's gonna talk about later in the show. But right now, I just wanna introduce him to you folks. Thank you so much, Brian, for coming in. Thanks, Shalane. It's great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I definitely wanna get into Brian um, finding his way into the life coaching business and what really um, drew you into this line of work? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I think it started for me when I was a young adult myself, probably about 20 years of age, and I was starting to take an interest in personal development. Um, that sparked an interest for me because I was a bit stuck in life, you know, I'd been out of school for a couple of years and didn't really have any direction, didn't know what I was doing, uh, was working in a job that was going nowhere, um, you know, in a bar, um, working till three o'clock in the morning and um, not being able to get up early and have a productive day and, and just feeling pretty fed up with it. But I had some pretty big goals and aspirations, you know, I wanted to travel, I wanted to... Uh, figure out what my career pathway would be. And, and I, I felt it was always about helping people. I've always considered myself to be a, uh, a helper because um, I've always been a good listener and been very observant. And I tend to um, see things from other people's point of view very well. So that, that was all going on in my head. Uh, and, you know, I was excited about the future and all these possibilities, but feeling pretty stuck, like I said, in a, in a bit of a dead-end job. So, um, you know, I started thinking about personal development, goal setting, and, and just trying to discover who I was. And, and it really began when I picked up a book um, called Unlimited Power by Anthony Roberts. It was a really thick book. I'd seen him on the late night infomercials. This was back in 2003. So, you know, there was no YouTube back then, no Facebook. He had those late night infomercials. Uh, so I saw him on the TV and thought, all right, I'll check out this guy. He seems to know what he's talking about. Uh, read his book back to front, front to back, and just devoured it, and it really got me thinking. And and then from there, I started to you know explore the whole world of, of life coaching and personal development. And then I came across a life coach here in Melbourne, and went along and had a, a complimentary session with her. She took me through a process of uh, looking at my life and being honest about my, what was going on and what I was happy with and what I wasn't happy with. And I could see, hey, this this actually works. You know, this I could change some things for myself here. But then I got scared and I, I basically ran away. Uh, 
and I thought, no, I'm going to do this all on my own. Uh, a year went by, no change happened. So I went back and saw her again, and she was kind enough to, to take me through that, that session one more time. And then I was like, I'm going to take some action here. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. And um, I became a client of hers and, and took on a life coaching uh, journey. Uh, so I was about 23 at this point, and then very quickly I started to see some results for myself, and and it's, it changed the way I was I was thinking, I was talking, the way I was interacting with others. You know, my confidence went right up. Uh, I started um, clarifying what my goals were, and I was, you know, moving in that direction. Um, and from there, I thought, well, here's here's my career pathway. I could be a coach. You know, my coach said you'd make a great coach, Brian. Have you thought about that? Um, and I've, I got excited about that idea. So then I um, got my coaching qualifications here in Melbourne and um, then, you know, launched my coaching business back in 2010 and I've been doing it ever since. I like that story. I was trying to think, I was asking so many questions in my head while you were talking because there's, in those transitional moments that we all have, right, before we are living our purpose and then kind of like the mucky waters where you're, you have to reassure yourself a lot, like, this is what I want, this is what I want to do, this is what I be, want to be, or before you even get to that point, you're like, what am I supposed to do? All I know about myself is that I actually do care for people and I want to help people in a more in-depth way than what I've been doing before I found this. So when you're talking about, I really had to be honest with myself about my life, what were those first moments life when you actually had to look in the mirror about not necessarily your good habits, but things that were preventing you from being the person that you wanted to be? Or is there something that you can speak on of how you were able to nurture those in a nice way instead of ridicule, ridiculing, ridiculing yourself for having flaws? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's a really important point, I think, because... Whenever someone is really frustrated with their life situation, like I was, and you're not really self-aware as to what's going on, uh, we are, we play the blame game. We either blame ourselves for things not going well, or we blame others. Um, I was never very big on blaming other people, but I, I would blame myself. I was very hard on myself. You know, I would say things like, "I'm not smart enough. I'm not old enough." Uh, now I say I'm not young enough sometimes, <laughs> but back then it was like, yeah, I, I just, I don't have what it takes. I live in the wrong country. Um, I'm surrounded by the wrong people. All these kind of factors I thought were contributing to that. And then I learned about, you know, being more um, accountable and not blaming myself or others, but trying to just accept myself as I was on my good days and, and my bad days. Uh, and taking some responsibility for the change I wanted to create. You know, I realized that if it had to be, it was up to me. You know, I had to uh, to take that action. And then eventually moving towards, you know, a sense of ownership. So, like, whatever I do, it's, it's on me. You know, whatever choices I make, um, there's going to be either rewards or consequences, and I need to handle both of those. Um, so I became really self-empowered, and my self-awareness really increased, and... I think letting go of that um, that habit of looking for excuses and, and blaming myself on others was the big game changer. And, and that was hard because, you know, we're, we're programmed from a young age to, to blame and deny things and look for excuses. 
So it is a hard habit to break, but once you, I found that once I was aware of that, I was able to make that shift. Um, and that sort of whole concept of moving away from blame towards ownership is, is also called something um, above the line, below the line. I didn't know that back all the way back in 2006, but now I understand what that whole concept is. And that's something I actually coach my clients on. It's like, you know, don't, don't deny what's going on. Don't deny your responsibilities. Uh, don't look for excuses because they'll just run out and, you know, they'll run their course and, you know, don't blame anyone and don't blame yourself, um, you know, moving away from that. So that's what I learned and that's, that's now what I coach clients on. So that was a, a huge game changer for me. Was there also a game changer when you realized that whether through blaming yourself or blaming or others that you were still outsourcing your power to other things, like the realization that you didn't have the right people in your environment, the realization that whether you said your goals out loud or you wanted to have them, did you feel like if you told the people that you were surrounded by that they wouldn't support those enough? Like, what were the turning points in just having that awareness that even the inner circle that you had, technically, no matter how much you loved them or enjoyed your company, wasn't for the betterment of like your higher purpose? Yeah, it was. At the end of the day, I realized that the only, you know, true opinion about me that matters is my own opinion. That I realized very quickly that some of my friends and family members and people I worked with were open-minded and supportive of my journey and others weren't. And I did try to convince people early on in my journey that, you know, you've, you've got to have goals. You, you, you've got to work on personal development. Everyone needs a coach. You know, I was very adamant about that. And I found that some people didn't like that and it, and it pushed them away, or I pushed them away, I should say. And it wasn't for everyone. And then I just came to accept, okay, well, this is what works for me. You know, for other people, it's a different philosophy. It's a different path. This is what works for me. And I'm always happy to now talk about it to people and encourage them to look into it. But if coaching or personal development is not their thing, that's fine. That's cool. As long as they uh, find something that works for them and helps them be the best version of themselves and, and activate their potential, it, it can be whatever it is for them. That's totally fine. Um, coaching at the end of the day really is, is just a tool. It's not uh, the answer to life. It's not the uh, secret solution to every problem. It's, it's a tool. It's a series of tools that have been really helpful for me and have been helpful for a lot of other clients that I've coached. Um, so yeah, accepting that, uh, that was my journey and I had to do it, whether I had the acceptance or approval of everyone around me or not, that didn't matter. So a, a lot of my journey has been about letting go, you know, letting go of those, um, those fears, letting go of, uh, you know, the, uh, the need to be accepted and approved, letting go of perfection, letting go of judgment, all of that stuff. And, it is hard to let go of that because we, we form that over time and we cling on to it so tightly um, because that's, we think that's part of who we are. Um, but then when we let go of that and we sort of clear the clutter in our mind, we realize, no, that's not who I am. You know, I don't, I don't need to be perfect. Uh, I'm, the only person I'm going to judge is myself, you know, and, and uh, if I don't have everyone's approval and acceptance, that's fine. It just means they don't agree or they don't understand and it's not my job to try and convince them. Uh, I only need to convince myself, right? So it's all about uh, being answerable to yourself first and foremostly, you know? And I find you can try and talk and talk and talk about it to other people and convince them like I used to do, or you can just let your actions speak for themselves. 
And then after a while, I had people coming up to me and saying, you know, you seem different, Brian. You, you, you seem more positive. You seem, you're, you're out there, you're doing stuff. You know, and that's, that's been my journey. It's like I've, I've taken a lot of action. I've taken some risks and some have worked, some haven't. But at the end of the day, I, I walk my talk. You know, I practice what I preach. And that's been a big takeaway for me from coaching. It's just if you're going to do something, do it. But mean what you do. Don't just do it to try and impress others or because you think that's what you're supposed to do. It's about being authentic and, and congruent with who you are and, and just and just acting on it. And then let the actions speak for themselves. I absolutely love that. So I found in my personal development journey, whatever you would like to coin the term, um, that uh, I've been in situations that I've outgrown and I'm aware that I've outgrown it and then I will still go around the experiences or the people or whatever I'm supposed to do and I have the experience again that I've it's like the cycle right and um after I I left and I kind of you know come back to my true self and I'm retrospecting what I just went through I realized that I had just experienced regression and who I didn't want to be, and having that awareness that I was going back around these places that didn't really benefit who I could see, you know, coming up on the train tracks. It's like your future self waving to you, like, keep going, keep going, it's okay, I know it's scary. You love them, but you must go. Um, Did you ever have times where you... In, in those new, like when you're developing that neuroplasticity in your mind to move forward, did you have regressive moments that you were able to retrospect on later and go, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up, but this happened. Yeah. How are we moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did then and I still do today because I think that's human nature. Mm-hmm. That, you know, Tony Robbins speaks about the six core needs, Um and I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I know that two of them are uh, that we like certainty and predictability, but we also like spontaneity and, and surprise. So we tend to move back and forth between those two um, ends of the spectrum. Um, and we all have our cycles. We all have our habits. Like I say to my clients, don't try and stop your habits because habitual behavior is human. Just change your habits. Right? So the same thing with a, a cycle. We all have these cycles. Um, and I'm by no means, you know, uh, have everything about me perfect or aligned exactly the way I want. But the difference now is that I'm more self-aware than I've ever been before. And, and every year my self-awareness increases more and more. So I'm able to reduce the amount of time it takes to go through a cycle like that. Whereas before, if I hadn't done personal development and coaching, I, I can't even see where I would be in life. But I know that I would probably still be stuck. And just repeating the same things over and over and over again, uh, and that that can take months and years and even decades before any change happens. But with coaching, it's about accelerating that change. So uh, instead of taking years, it takes months. Or instead of taking months, it takes weeks. Instead of taking weeks, it takes days. And while it might have taken you a day to decide, you can I can decide now in five to ten minutes. So the cycle's still there. Those patterns of human behavior, which we can't get rid of, is still there. But being aware and having those personal development tools just means that you can work through it quicker. Uh, and instead of being afraid of that uh, and procrastinating, you just you look at it and be like, okay, what's going on in my head right now? 
why am I stalling? You know, I'm also a writer and I still encounter writer's block sometimes. So I have methods now to get myself out of writer's block. Like I'll actually step away from my project and write about the fact that I have writer's block. And that actually releases the writer's block. So instead of being like, oh, no, I've got writer's block, I need to go and do 50 other things to try and get back into writing, and then, which have nothing to do with writing, <laughs> I actually sit down and say, I've got writer's block, I've got writer's block, this is annoying me, this is frustrating, all I want to do is write. And then I discover that I'm actually writing, I'm writing about the problem and confronting it instead of fearing it and putting it off. So it's about accepting that no matter how, I guess, aware and advanced and how much you're progressing in life all of us are still human and we still have these flaws and quirks and <laughs> things about us that we don't understand um even you know the, the experts in, in personal development today still don't have everything worked out about what makes us tick but uh, understanding ourselves individually what makes me tick what, what are my trigger points what are my what are my uh, processes and habits? Just be aware of them and accept them. So it's coming back to that above the line, below the line. Don't like, be ashamed of the fact that you've had a bad day. Just go through the motions of having a bad day because tomorrow will be a better day. Right? You've just got to be okay with it because it's all part of the journey. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've really enjoyed studying on my own end is when I realized that Consciously, I, I wanted to be a, a helper, a good person, and a better version of myself. But I would continuously get pulled you know, back, whether it was from subconscious programming I didn't know that I still had and kind of had to somehow figure out how to reprogram. But basically, at the end of the day, I was struggling with the integration of the new information. You know, it's kind of like when you get on a phone call with a really good friend you haven't talked in a long time and then... You're on the phone for like four hours and it's it's amazing and it's inspiring and you feel seen and like they tell you about all of, they mirror these problems that you're feeling only they speak it like in, in their own life, right? And you're like, oh, that's how you figure that out? And you're like, you're noting it in your head. You're like, when I get off the phone, like I finally, I finally figured it out, you know? And you go to sleep and you wake up and I don't know if the Delta brainwave just took it away or beta took it away, but you wake up and whether you remember like how you were going to fix those problems, the there was something faulty in the integration system. So yes. are there things yeah. in your program that are able to pinpoint how to integrate these new teachings into your life so they actually replace the older habits for newer, better habits? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and the key there, as you just said, it's about replacing the habits. So habits is part of human nature. We all have habits. You know, and I coach a lot of young adults, and one of the biggest habits I see with them is um, lots of computer gaming, um, lots of procrastination, lots of putting things off. Those are the habits that we tend to master as teenagers and young adults, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't say to my clients, oh, you've got to stop playing video games and grow up. I'm like, no, no, no play video games. That's all cool. Uh, just moderate the time you're spending on your video games, right? Because if you're spending six hours a day on your computer, do you, you know, what else could you be doing with that time? Could you reduce that to maybe three hours, then two hours, then one hour, and then make sure you're using that other time to do stuff that's going to benefit you and use the video games as a reward? Um, and I use that example because I've taken a lot of clients through that scenario 
and then they find that they then don't want to play video games as much because they're getting the same feeling and experience from doing something else. So it's just replacing the habit. Um, as far as the integration goes, I find that you know, there's so much going on in our head, there's so much information out there, and it's all good. You know, there's a lot of different philosophies out there. There's lots of different leaders. There's countless books, um, tons of stuff online. It's like, gosh, there's so much information out there. You know, that we, there's, we're drowning in, in information, but we're starving for wisdom. You know, so I go back to the cherry picker philosophy. It's like, just pick what applies, what you can apply to yourself right now in your current situation. Okay, it doesn't have to be what you think you're going to need to know in five years from now, because five years will, will come and pass, and no one really knows what's going to happen to them in five years or even next week. But you know what's going on in your current life right now, in your current situation. You know, you know what's going on with work, with your health and fitness, with your relationships, with your lifestyle, with your finances. So as you read information, look at what, or you're taking it in, look at what is, um, I guess, invoking a reaction from you. You read stuff and you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool, but I think that might be useful later in life when I have kids or when I launch my business or when I'm teaching others, for example. And then you read something that's like, oh, yes, that, that, that's relevant. I've got this issue with someone at work right now. I could use that. So you read it and then to apply it, you've got to find, well, how does this relate to me and how can I apply it into my current life situation through what I'm already doing? You know, Where's where a scenario in my current day where I could use this? You know, And for me, being a writer, the way I apply information is I read it, I write it out in my own words, and I, I write it again and again and again. And by writing it out, you're like, you're, I guess, ingraining it into your own mind, and then your mind processes it again. And then I find naturally I just tend to then act out that idea or I apply that advice somewhere. Um, and one of the habits that helps me do that is is journaling. You know, journaling is really helpful for that. And um, I'm not the most disciplined journaler. I tend to go through phases. Uh, but when I am disciplined, I do what's called morning and evening pages. So it's five questions in the morning, three questions at night. Um, same questions each morning and each night. And writing in your journal in the morning before you get out of bed. Uh, and at night, once you're in bed, just before you turn off the light. By doing that, it's the last thought on your mind before you go to bed. And then it's the first thought on your mind when you wake up. And then you'll, it helps you identify what are three things I could do today. It could be something really small. Make a phone call. Read the next chapter of my book. Uh, talk to this person. Bring up this idea at the work meeting. Whatever it might be. So it's about small steps. You know, what can you apply today? Because what you do today will impact tomorrow, and what you do tomorrow will impact five years from now. Right? So it's, it's not about trying to overdo yourself or do something too big today that you might be useful in five years' time um, because all that really exists is today, is right now. So it's just about small actions every day and then the smaller the actions, the more manageable it is and the less stress and it's, it's just more enjoyable because it becomes a part of your everyday life. That's a great segue into my New Year's Eve resolution questions that I've powered up and ready for you. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. <laughs> yes. So um, in one of our earlier discussions, we talked about how, you know, everyone gets fired up for New Year's this, whether I'm going to lose weight, whether I'm going to kick this habit, whether I'm going to add in this new habit or be a bigger, better, powerful, more person 
and it's going to take me six weeks, and then it's going to be implemented in my life, and ha-ha. Um, and then about, you know, two to three weeks into the new year, you know, like the, the holiday seasons kind of wear off, and um, we realize how hard it is to introduce these new habits and these new us's, so to speak, into our um, lives. So, yep. like, I guess it's a two-part question. Like, why does that consistently happen with all of the New Year's stuff that you've observed and work with? And within your program and your experience, what are ways to overcome not giving up two, three, four weeks into your resolution or your new you? Yeah, yeah, great questions. And, you know, for anyone listening right now, you're probably thinking, yeah, great, it's a new year. It's a, it's a chance to start fresh. And absolutely, um, the, the thing is you can, you can start fresh anytime you want to. But traditionally, the start of a new year is a good time to do that because once we get through Christmas and New Year's, we have a bit of a break and a bit of a holiday, We've had some downtime, we've rested, we've sort of slowed down, and then the year comes to a bit of a, a halt, and then a new year starts up. January is typically a quiet month um, for a lot of people, so it's a good chance to just have a think of, okay, what did I do last year, what didn't I do? You know, so again, that's, that's a classic example of just our, our traditions and human behaviour is, is that new year. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with waiting until the new year to do that. It seems to be the time when people have the time to do that. Um, keep in mind you can do it at any time of the year, but if you prefer to wait till January, absolutely. I, I do it as well in January. I do a bit of uh, reviewing. I think the answer to your first question is why Why does it sort of not really happen for most people? Why does it, do they fizzle out and lose steam after those first few weeks of January? And the answer is because they're relying on only on motivation. Um, now, that might sound like a bit of a contradiction. It's like, well, hang on, Brian, don't you need motivation in life? It's like, yes, you do. But motivation is temporary. It's a temporary burst of, of energy, as I like to call it. Well, what's even better is, is inspiration. Now, you've heard the saying, what's the inspiration behind the motivation, right? The inspiration is like your reason why. That's your drive. That's your fuel, that's your energy, that's like what you're committed to in life. Uh, your higher calling, your purpose, your mission, your vision, whatever, any of those words that resonate. That's your inspiration. Now, the inspiration is sort of up here, it's in your head and it's in your heart and it's like what you think about, it's what you write about, it's what you daydream about, it's what you fantasize about, like this is how I want my life to be. The motivation is what gets you moving to take action to bring out that inspiration. Now, people who get hooked on New Year's resolutions are usually only relying on motivation and they're only looking to their And so the second part to your question there is, uh, you know, turn that, how do we uh, make it work? So it's about turning that resolution into a solution. And the solution is really, that's the remedy for the problem. What's the problem? Why do you want to change jobs? The problem is you're not happy in your job. Uh, why do you want to get a degree or finish your studies this year? The problem is like the current qualifications you've got have only taken you so far. You need to learn more. You've maybe you've hit a bit of a ceiling. Uh, why do you want to lose weight and get fit this year? The problem is you don't like the way you look. You don't like the way you feel. Right. So people will take that. That's they're not aware of it, but that's what's driving the resolution. 
So an example is like, oh, it's New Year. I'm, I'm looking down at myself. Um, I've eaten way too much um, Christmas ham and turkey. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit tired and sluggish. I'm going to hit the gym. There'll be heaps of other people there as well. It'll be great. I'll be pumped up. The energy will, will be really high. And to make sure I'm really committed, I'm going to go to the gym and pay for a full year up front. I'll fork out $800, $900. And I use that example because I did this about three times myself when I was younger. <laughs> and off I'd go to the gym, didn't know how to use the equipment, didn't have a plan, didn't have any fitness goals, felt intimidated by the people there who looked fitter, who looked stronger, who knew what they were doing. I tried to look what I, I knew what I was doing. I thought, okay, great, first day and I'm already wigging out here. Um, let me listen to some motivational music. Listen to some music. After a while, the, that song didn't work anymore. Let me watch someone over there. I'm watching him. I'm like, nah, I, I can't do that. He's stronger than me. This is not working. Two, three weeks later, uh, now nah, I'm done. I'll wait till next year and I'll try again. Meanwhile, I'm still paying an $800 gym membership and not going to the gym, right? <laughs> so some listeners can probably relate to that experience. The difference is when you turn a resolution into a solution, the solution is... Here's my problem. I'm not fit enough. I'm not healthy enough. I don't like the way I look. Um, and instead of comparing yourself to what you, uh, the media says you should look like, what that guy in the gym looks like, what she looks like, for example, I'm going to create my ideal version of health and fitness. What I want to see myself as, how I want to feel that relates to my life. Like what's actually going to, I don't have to pump up and be like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and become this, this universe. I don't need to look like this model. I don't need to look like that actor because you can't. I'm just going to look like myself, that best version of myself that's in there somewhere. So what I need, I need a clear goal. I need a fitness goal. So when you take a resolution and turn it into a solution, what you're really doing is, is creating a goal, um, which is what I coach people to do. It's like don't rely on resolutions only because – their preferences, their wishes, they're just idealisms that aren't specific enough. When you've got a goal that's really clear and you've got a plan for it, like if you go back to the gym um, example, instead of just wandering around a gym aimlessly, I'm going to hire a personal trainer. You know, that personal trainer who knows my goal and um, can assess my fitness and my level, my capabilities, and they'll match a fitness program to suit me that's going to help me achieve my goal. That's what a personal trainer does. And when I got that and I, and I started working with a personal trainer, I actually started using the gym productively. And then I found after a while, well, the gym's not actually for me. I'm going to do something different. And then I found a, a, a cardio boot camp program, which was all outdoors, which was without other adults my age. You know, we all had kids, we all had jobs, and we'd get together, we'd talk about our day, and we'd do a fitness program. And whatever your limit was, capability was, was fine, and you just got there you know, at, at your own pace instead of going into a gym and trying to compete with all the really muscular, beautiful, fit people there and be like, oh, I'll never catch up to them, right? <laughs> so, so that's the difference. I think that's what helps you shift away from a resolution, turn it into a solution, and, you know, the solution to any problem is to have a very clear direction to where you're going. Um, so you set a goal. So rather than just having those vague resolutions at the start of the year, I'm going to lose weight, get fit, quit my job and study a course. Those are great intentions, but they're not very specific enough. So my goal setting method then teaches people how to make those resolutions really grow and become something more. I love all of that. I love how you broke it down too, because you're right. Those really are all intentions, but 
just like Rome isn't built in a day, that's one of the things that I have to tell myself with all the aspirations and all of the things that I've added to my post-it goal. Breaking those down really are important because like you only have so many hours in a day to really work on yourself on top of everything else that you're in charge of. So like using myself as an example, my daughter's in daycare three days a week. Um, other than that, like I have her and my attention is on her and the household and, you know, like doing the mom thing as well. And also all the, all the other businesses that I do on top of that when I'm able to fit those in. So it's unrealistic, it's unrealistic for me to think that I'm going to get any part of my yoga curriculum or my Reiki curriculum done when I'm on the weekends with her. But in my dream mind, when I'm planning it, I'm like, oh, no, it's fine. She naps between this hour and this hour. And, you know, I'll yes. be able to fit it in here and fit it in here. And you actually end up, like, overexerting yourself and your, I, like, I say, like, I'm wasting my motivation just planning how to do it incorrectly. Sometimes because I really am, like, I'm so inspired and I want to move and I want to do these things. And I finally have this drive that I always wanted to have. And then, um, yeah, I'm just like, oh, kapooey. You know, you can't really you can't really put a kid, especially a three-year-old, on a time schedule what fits your personal development, which is something that um, I have to really be conscientious of because I'm like, oh, she'll be here, but, you know, we're not going to be very interactive today. Like, we're not sitting down and, like, tracing letters and doing all this. Like, she really is getting more independent where she's like, Mom, I want to play in my room. Mom, I want to do this. And I'm like... Well, if you want to do that, you know, I might be able to fit a couple chapters in. I might be able to fit this in. But it is kind of deflating yourself because you give yourself these five big, huge changes and staples. And then when you don't achieve all five of these very huge transformative moments, now you've deflated yourself and you're like, oh, no. The inner critic starts getting louder. You're like, I can't do it. Blah, 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 blah. La, 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 la. So I love that your program is able to really hone in on the fact where like, you're like, you're congratulating them, right? You're like, Hey, you can do all of these goals, but we're going to like breadcrumb and baby step this and really figure out like which one should really go first, especially the gym analogy is really great for me too. Cause, um, I did go to the gym and I did consistently do it, but there was some refusal of like making a workout program. And I think everybody goes into the gym and has those moments where they see those fitness models and they're like, oh yes, that's the body I actually want to have. But that woman has a nutrition program. She probably has a personal trainer. She has done her research, you know, today's leg day, today's arm day. And she's been doing it a lot longer than your new year's resolution. So there's a lot of unrealistic expectations that I have found in failing in my own New Year's resolutions, probably the past, you know, 10 years or so that I've retrospected on my year and be like, I'm leaving this behind. I'm moving forward with this. So feeding into my long-winded questions that I like to ask, um, your programs you say are tailor-made for the person. And I know that you focused on young adults from the ages of 18 to 30. Those are really good developmental years where they're trying to find their footing, find their grounding, and they're taking that transition kind of like I say from mommy and daddy into, oh shit, this is what it's really like to be an adult. This is hard. Um, so tailor-made programs on one-on-one -on -one and coaching groups. Um, I understand a tailor-made program for a one-on-one, -on -one, 
but do you get a group of like-minded people, like-minded problems, so to speak, and tailor make it for a group specifically? How are you able to discern on what people would need in a group setting? Yeah, yeah, great question. So, so the methodologies and frameworks that I um, offer as a coach are quite general. Uh, they're universal, and anyone can apply them to their situation. And by anyone, I mean any, no matter where, what age or stage they're at of life, there is something about my coaching program that will be useful for them. Um, not everything will be useful right then and there in that moment. But again, like I said before, coaching is a, is a tool so they can learn the tool and maybe use it at a later stage in life. So I've created a program that really um, covers the three areas of personal development, as I like to call it, the three stages. And stage one is mindset. Stage two is skill set. And stage three is taking action. So what, quite ha what happens when people want to create change is they skip the second stage. They go from mindset straight to taking action. Usually that mindset is one that is frustrated, that's focusing on the pain. That's, I don't want this, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not happy with this, I don't like this, I don't want this in my life. I'm just going to cut it out and get rid of it altogether. Uh, usually that uh, doesn't eventuate because they haven't focused on what they need to change about themselves and the way they act to create that, that new result. They tend to just rush straight to the result, which is kind of what a res resolution is like. Again, so like the gym example, um, yep, it's January 3rd. I ate way too much food over Christmas, and at this time of the year in Australia, it's summer, so we're all sort of headed to the beach, thinking about what are our beach bodies like, what are our summer bodies like, am I confident to uh, wear a bathing, bathing suit, that sort of thing. I'm going to rush to the gym and get fit in three weeks' time. And I lose all this pain and frustration to keep me going, but then that doesn't eventuate, right? So the three stages, mindset, skill set, and taking action, within those stages, there's certain questions that you ask, certain exercises that you do, a certain process that you need to get through in order to create the change. And that can be tailored for an individual or it can happen for a group. So when I coach individuals, I still take them through those three stages uh, because it gives them the, the focus and it gives them... The, the boundaries to work within rather than just say, what do you want to talk about today? You tell me where you want to go. Um, they know where they want to go. They just don't know how to get there. So I don't tell my clients, this is what you need to do. This is who you need to be. It's like, you tell me who do you want to be, what do you want to do? Great. That's fantastic. I'll give you the framework you can use to achieve that. And within that framework, there's flexibility, there's options, there's lots of different exercises a client can do until they find what works for them. So like I offer a large range of different exercises and, and processes throughout my coaching, which an individual can do on their own and or in their own time. But for those who like the group um, coaching or the group learning experience, uh, they go through a certain order of exercises. It's still all the same stuff that an individual would do, but it's, it's more structured and, for example, I do online courses where once a week all the clients log on to a Zoom call and we do like a Q&A session. And then I'll say, okay, whatever stage you're at in the program, uh, those who are on Module 1, any questions? Those who are on Module 3, what are your questions? And they're all going to be at different stages, but they're all going through the same process. 
And in that group learning environment, they learn from each other and they're more accountable and they feel more supported. Uh, so I offer both. Uh, some people are fine just doing everything on their own. Others need the support and accountability of a group. Uh, but overall, they all go through those three stages of um, mindset, skill set, and taking action. I like that. I also think it's really fun to be in those group settings because you create a really great personal bond with these people that you know, you find a safe environment to be vulnerable enough to be like, hey, I have these flaws that are stopping me from being who I want to be. And yes, they can hold you accountable on top of you being their life coach. But I have found great value in group experiences. And even after leaving the group, checking in with those people and um, just being like, hey, I'm really glad I met you in this experience. Like, I'm not really good at being vulnerable and you, you, you did really good job at holding space for me. And I just really appreciate that so much. And, um, I see a lot of value in one-on-one also. I I've done one-on-one sessions with people and I was always scared of group stuff, which is why I wanted to expand on group stuff more because it was a really big step out of my comfort zone to go into a group setting and then be like, all right, tell us, tell us what you think is wrong with you right now. Like we're all going to chime in and fix it together. And I'm like, we're, Oh, okay. This is, this is not something I'm really good at. So, um, I I love the way that you explain that, that that is wonderful. And it feels very, again, safe. Um, before, uh, we introduce your mini course and the websites that they're able to contact you with, I did want you to talk about your book, it's called Setting Goals Using the Smartest Method. Um, yeah, just tell me more about that. I'm definitely interested in reading it because I feel like it's just one of those books you can read and quantum leap a lot of the conscious blocks that you can have. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that was one of my aims with the book is like, this will teach you how to set a goal, but and it's not just about the goal, it's about the process of working on a goal um, because that's where the real value is as well. Um, but to backtrack a little bit, um, the, I self-published the book. It was my first book back in 2014. I've been working as a coach for about four years by this point. Uh, and uh, a, a mentor or a coach who was mentoring me in the early days of my business said, uh, what's going to be your USP, which is your unique selling proposition? What's going to be the thing that you offer people that sets you apart because there's a lot of coaches out there, Brian, you know, you've got, you've got to have that unique thing that you do or offer. Like, okay. Um, and I tried a few different things. I tried being uh, the motivational speaker on stage, which is not really my forte. You know, obviously I can talk quite comfortably and confidently, but on a stage getting an audience all fired up, not my style. Right. <laughs> but I've always been a, a writer um, since I was, 12 years old, I've, I've been writing. And it was always my, always my goal to write a book at one stage. And I played around with the idea for most of my 20s, and then I took uh, a big step and I purchased a self-publishing package with the intention of writing a book one day. Purchased it thinking, okay, this is going to force me to write this book. And I started a book, and again, only relying on a whim of motivation and hoping to get it done in two weeks um, so I could write 20 books a year, you know, very unrealistic. <laughs> uh, it didn't happen. I kept stopping and starting, stopping and starting. Went to another mentor of mine and said, I really want, want to write a book, but, you know, I can't 
I can't pick the right idea. I, I can't get into the writing groove. You know, I want, I want a perfect study to write in. I want to go away to a cabin in the woods and write there and not be interrupted and all this sort of stuff. And then he's like, you know, you've got to stop waiting for the perfect try, Brian. Just, just write the book. You know, find the time and space to write it. And I wrote it just after uh, we'd had our first child. You know, so I was writing at night after she was in bed. Thankfully, she was a pretty good sleeper, so that helped. I was writing on the train, on the train ride home from work. Um, sometimes I was writing at work uh, on my lunch break and that kind of thing. So just wherever I could fit it in. Um, before the book happened, though, it was a blog. So I was developing the smartest method as a, as a concept. Um, it was an expansion on smart goals. I thought, well, smart's okay, but it's not smart enough. Um, it's got a, it was missing some steps to it. So I started to expand on that and came up with the smartest method. And it was a blog. And week by week, I'd release another letter from the method, explain it, post it to Facebook, got a few likes, a few comments, that sort of thing. Uh, then the self-publishing book um, company got back in touch with me and said, you purchased this self-publishing package three years ago. It never expires. You can use it whenever you want. Let us know when you're ready to publish a book. And I'm like, okay, well, I've got something here. You know, the Smartest Method starting to develop and grow. And then I had a chat with them and said, all right, I'll this is what I'm going to self-publish. It's a skull-setting book. And then got the manuscript done. And once I committed to that, I got really moving. And it was about a year from when I started the blog to when the book was published. Um, it was it was done. you know. And then I self-published it. Did a lot of promotion for it myself. You know, I contacted local community radio stations and went on the air and just spoke about it and uh, did a little speaking presentation about it. And then it's just grown and evolved over the years. And it's now um, one of the methods that I take all of my clients through when it comes to the goal setting phase. Uh, and it's been really effective. So yeah, happy, quite proud of it. Yeah, I'm happy that it's also a part of your curriculum too. That shows a lot of faith that you have in just everything that you've been writing. Thank you, yeah. And I believe in divine timing, especially when it comes into writing. So, um, do you know who Andy Andrews is by chance? No, I haven't heard of him. So he's a motivational speaker and a published author, and I'm sure he has a couple other titles that I'm missing, so I apologize, right? Um, but I listened to him speak at a conference in, I don't know, probably 2010, 2011, something like that, and he was telling the story about how, one, he all the things that you had mentioned with like the struggles of writing and wanting to write and then getting writer's block and trying to find the perfect place and all this. So eventually he overcame it and he had these books. He was ready to get published and he's like, how do you get published? So he went and he started basically sending the manuscript off to all of these publishing companies. And he was rejected over like 20 times, you know, just kept getting rejected, 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 rejected. Because at this time, like self-publishing was not a, a big thing. Like, I think it was really instilled in us if you wanted to be published and be taken seriously as a public author or even be on like New York Times bestselling list, Oprah's favorite picks. Like, you're going to have to go through this specific pathway of rejection, rejection, rejection. Oh, finally someone sees value in my work. Now I am a success, right? So he gets over 20 rejection letters. I can't remember the time span of how long it actually took him to get published, but the main point of his story was talking about how a lot of it had to do with divine timing. And every time that he thought that he was ready for it and he was like, here I am, I've done this work. Like, 
when is it going to come? He always had to give it back up to God and who, you know, whoever believed created us or you. And um, I remember sitting in that audience because I, I too have been a writer my whole life and I've definitely like journaled for a while and then don't journal at all and then pick on myself for not journaling. So we have a lot of in common with like our battles with our inner critic and inner writer. But I remember just it clicking in my mind where it was just like, oh, it's still about timing. Damn it. You know, like I can't control everything. I get to control the words that come out on the page and I can control the format and the binding. And if I want to self-publish, if I want to go through the process of finding a publisher to go through, but that damn timing is something that gets away from us as humans because we're all ready to like go, go, go and get our word out. Um, so I love that you're able to, you know, get through all of those little downfalls that we all go through. You're self-publishing it and you're using it in your curriculum to fast track people in the, the things that they're really struggling with, which brings me to you introducing, you have an online course and you are offering a free educational webinar to expand on, um, the ways that you do your services. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So um, for anyone listening today, they can just go to my website, uh, brianmacalier.com, uh, and on that website, you can read a little bit about what I do and the different coaching programs that I offer. There's actually a few coaching programs that I do. Occasionally, I also work with parents of teenagers as well, um, so the other side of the youth work field. And uh, on my website, you'll see the link there to uh, a program called uh, New Year, Better You, uh, which is all about taking the, the energy and the freshness of the new year, um, looking at what your resolutions are, but shifting them towards a solution instead of just a wish. For, here's, here's how I'm actually going to solve this problem here. Um, so that's a free webinar. Um, it's a completely free uh, educational lesson. It goes for about 45 minutes or so. You can hop on there, uh, watch that anytime, and... Um, get a sense of what I'm talking about and decide whether or not it's for you. Uh, and if you feel like you'd like to learn more, you can definitely take the next step after that webinar, get in touch with me, follow me on my socials and uh, find out how how this method could, could help you. So that's all on my site and um, that's a good place to start, to start your journey and uh, see if this is the, the, the uh, pathway for you moving forward. I think that's wonderful. Do you have any advice for beginners out there? Not necessarily like New Year's resolutions, but people that want to make a change and don't really know where to start, whether it's like picking a life coach or not, just from your personal experience and the things that you've been through, like what's one piece of advice that you can get those people to really get started on on their path? Yeah, definitely. Um, It doesn't have to be go out there and find a, a life coach because I realize that's not always feasible or doable for people in their current situation. Uh, there are things you can do for yourself. Uh, so a very, very simple exercise that you can do, which I take all my clients through, is something that I call the DOD review, D-O-D. The DOD review stands for Distractions, Obstacles and Delays. Uh, and it's about looking at yourself and looking at your external environment or other people and identifying what are the distractions in my life that are um, sidetracking me, you know, from what I should be doing. What are the obstacles that have stopped me or are are at risk of stopping me from from moving forward? 
And what are my delays? What are the delays that are slowing me down? Or what am I doing to slow myself down? All right, so we look at yourself first. How are you distracting yourself? What are the obstacles you're creating for yourself or putting in front of yourself? Because most obstacles are perceived, which uh, is not a lot of people believe that. Like they think there's too many obstacles out there, but about 80% of them are just in our head. And then there's the, the delays. That's the procrastination. That's putting things off. That's waiting for the perfect try. All the things that I've done myself right, and that we, all, that we all do. So that's a good place to start. And then also look at who are the people or events or circumstances that might be distracting you. And distracting doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. Um, you might be a parent who's got three little kids running around. You don't call them distractions, obviously, but they do like to distract you and take your time and energy away from you, right, when there's things that you want to be doing. So it's about managing how that, that time that you give to them and to yourself as well. Um, the obstacles that might be in your way that are caused by other people and events, and sometimes there are legitimate obstacles out there that are stopping people, physical obstacles, mental and emotional health problems, um, or just... You know, back in Melbourne in 2020 and 2021, we had the strictest COVID lockdown restrictions in the world, right? So we were we had really real obstacles here. Like we couldn't leave our house. We couldn't go with more than five kilometers away. I know it was like that all over the world, but it, it seemed to go on forever here. But so we're still sort of dealing with those obstacles and the fallout of that. Um, and then how do other people, events or circumstances delay you? Again, the whole COVID thing, you know, we had to wait for lockdown to be finished before we could go out and do stuff. Sometimes people might hold out on you. They might prevent you from accessing information. They might not get back to you when you call them or email them, right? So these are all things that you need to address and, and work around, right? So the trick with distractions, instead of letting them sidetrack you, is to moderate them. So that's a good place that people can start if they're not ready or able to run out there and get a coach for themselves just yet, look at your distractions. What, what are the things that are sidetracking you? What are maybe some of those small little changes you could make today? You know, less time on your phone, less time watching TV, less time playing video games. Um, increase your time reading, you know, uh, call someone and have a chat, whatever it might be, just little changes like that. Um, obstacles also, obstacles can be moved around you can move around an obstacle it's not like going down a, an alley and there's a brick wall there there's no way through you've got to go back that's not a dead end an obstacle can can be moved or you can move around it so think about what are your obstacles are they real or are they perceived what can you do to maybe move around those obstacles you know go a different way take two steps back if you need to you know think about what that is for you and then with delays like at the end of the day we all want to change. We all want to work on ourselves and be our best self. But the person that's usually holding us back is ourself. You know, it's that procrastination. It's that delaying things, waiting for the perfect try, waiting for people's approval, waiting for people's acceptance, waiting until we're, we've got no, more money, more knowledge, more time, um, saying someday I'll do that. When in fact someday I'll is... Is, is just this place we go in our head where we'll wait for everything to be perfect and then we'll create change. But that day never comes, right? So doing the dog review, um, as I like to call it, is a good place to start. Um, you've got to be honest with yourself and not sugarcoat it and not lie about what you're doing to yourself. And that can be confronting at times, but it's also you know a good way to just uh, let yourself free of, of anything that you're holding on to that's not useful anymore. Um, and then it is about getting outside of your comfort zone. 
but again, doing that in a way that's manageable and that you can implement step by step. Uh, and then as you start to see progress, you'll, you'll naturally do more, you'll push yourself further, you'll try harder, you'll work longer because you're starting to see the results. You know, the results will speak for themselves. Um, so that would be a good place to start that I would recommend for people. Round of applause. That was a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> answer. I'm so glad I asked that question. Well, for anybody out there that would like to get a hold of Brian, I will have all of his links below. And like he said, he's got that um, educational webinar. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to him, reach out for, to me, and I'll be happy to get you in contact with him. Um, I really look forward to seeing seeing the expansion of this company and you know if you have any more books that you're going to write out into the world. But uh, I just really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of your knowledge with us. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to um, speak with you and, and your listeners and um, you know, uh, talk to people on the other side of the world. It's always always cool, always a, a good experience. And yeah, and uh, for everyone listening, um, you know, make make 2023 your best year yet. Uh, don't, don't try and get everything perfect. Just focus on what you can control. Um, start small and then, you know, go from there. And then, uh, yeah, amazing things can happen. Yes, they can. One step at a time. We can all do this. All right. Well, Vitality 100%. Exposed is going to bring us a song from Headshine today. It's called Good Deeds Are Awesome. What a great title to a song, right? These guys are just spreading the positivity all over the globe, so I definitely had to plug them into your episode. So I hope y'all enjoy this clip and check them out on Spotify or any other streaming service. Thanks again, Brian. Thanks a lot, Brian. It's not what we say, and we're making a difference in this world today. We're doing something good for someone in need, and then they pass it on to the next one they need. Round and round it goes. Ripple and the waves grow, and now everyone around this place wave our hands and sing together. Love, love is all we have, love is all we need. With our voices and our hands, the more we give, we receive. Through random acts of kindness, the reward for good deeds comes back and now feels awesome. The more we give, we see